Hi, and welcome to episode 445 of the MWA podcast. I'm Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mark and Brian. Sean is on assignment this week. Today, we're excited to have John Boise as our guest. John is an outstanding custom furniture maker and a Franciscan friar in the Catholic Church. He is also a graduate of North Bennett Street School and is known for his 17th and 18th century chairs and casework. So welcome to the show, uh, John. It's great Hi, to have thanks you. thanks for having me. Welcome. Yeah, this should be pretty interesting because I definitely want to delve into uh, your um, your friarship. I don't know what you call that. Yeah, life, friarship, <laughs> it all works. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. But before we get to John, let's dip our toes in the woodworking news. So we got a couple items this week, uh, both hand tool related somewhat. Um, first off, uh, Lost Heart Press under Crucible has introduced the one in four dovetail template. So uh, this, I think they have a one in six out there, or and a one in eight, and uh, it's this, like a, it's like a wood joy style. The other, the old ones are like the wood joy style. They have the tapers on both ends. Both ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this one is just a, a a one in four slope, which I think is Chris's favorite slope for dovetails. So mm-hmm. they finally brought this to market, um, and uh, they have it up on their website for sale. It's fifty one dollars. And uh, like all things, it is sold out, but they do have notify me when it's back in stock option. So do that. I think they have another batch coming in here pretty soon. So if you want probably, one, if you want one now and you want one that's a little bit fancier, you can always get the one from Sterling. Yes. I, oh, okay. There I you go. Those. That's the one. So I, they have a one and four two at Sterling? It, yes. Yeah, that was the first first uh, slope that he made. And it, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, they're both based on the same original tool. Yeah, from uh, but from Chris over it. Yeah, no, yeah. no. There was a maker down in Australia. Oh yeah, gave, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. Chris Schwarz, um, this little okay. dovetail marker. I thought it was just the one and four slope. The... He did. He gave him the one and four, okay. and then okay. Sterling went and people requested other angles, so he started okay. making. Started with the one and four, and then expanded to make the other ones. So you, go if you don't want to wait. One to eight. Yeah. Plus, he's yeah. also got the saddle tail, which is the the ninety degree squared off mm-hmm. one. Well, they're right. all they're all square on the back. On the back, yeah. But this and the saddle yeah, tail a, is square, top, bottom. So you basically so you can wrap lines around without having to move. Yeah, it. I'm not. You know, I'm not 100 certain on that because with the fence and the the other square end, you have a saddle square. I think what he did was he made the original and then he made a a sort of a simplified version that was a little less expensive to make to mm-hmm. to help with the price. And I think that one is the saddle tail, but I'm not sure. I haven't looked in a while. Okay. I obviously need to refresh my memory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I bet the construction is probably a little different because I think they mill. Uh, yes. Crucible mills are out of out of a solid piece of steel. Yeah, it's, it's just a hunk of metal. Yeah, just solid it's hunk. a hunk of metal. And uh, the other ones I've seen like this, and I assume it's sterling. They're kind of joined right there where the uh, backside meets the side with the uh, template on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're br- yeah. brass to steel. Exactly. Yeah. On the yes. Yeah, and he's got a uh, the sterling one has a little bit of a relief on the inside corner. So if you've got some ah. uh, little boogers or whatever on the yeah. corner from mm-hmm. cutting it off, um, those don't really cause you the same. Hmm. So it's a nice little differentiator, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm I've been I've I've done this long enough now that new tools like this come out. It's like I got it already. <laughs> it's like I've already got one. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and yeah, you know. you got nothing for hand tail Thursday. Or hand tool Thursday anymore. Yeah, no, it's all the same. I mean, I have to just go and yeah. start over from the beginning. Yeah. So did John? John, did y'all use any uh, dovetail templates like that at North Bennett Street? 
uh, pieces of plywood that we could okay. make a one to eight or one to six. That was generally our <laughs> North Bennett Street experience. Uh, but there were a couple, uh, I'd say two or three people that brought in their own um, mm -hmm. like acrylic uh, dovetail angles. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing super special. Yeah, you could spend, you know, 15 minutes and make something like this pretty easily um you know but it's nice you know this is sturdy and it's not going to get chewed up or is this, is this if you knock it off the segment and are you taking hmm? my spot are you taking my spot in the woodpecker segment you know you could just make this in about 50 yeah 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 that's right that's right <laughs> exactly exactly but anyway because you know we don't it's you know I, i've been how gone do we and... not have how do we not have a one-time tool named after this show yet all, all, all the business that we've shifted to woodpecker come on i don't know i mean would it be something i don't know obnoxious loud yeah you have to take a really long time yeah. to use it yeah they're, yeah they're probably just wait they're probably just waiting for april 1st to come on uh, <laughs> then we'll introduce something for us i remember when lee valley used to do that speaking of lee valley yeah and speaking of lee valley they do have a new tool out um and that's next up on our list that is the uh, veritas right hand box makers plow plane now that's what i've pulled up they have both a right-handed and left-handed version i believe of this um I don't. I couldn't find the left-handed out there, but the little video they have says it's it will, there. It, okay, okay, it's there. Okay. Yeah, if you click on the the next menu level up, you'll see all the plow planes. Oh, okay. okay. Which which leads but, to my uh, question: like, why do you need the box makers plow plane? I guess if you only work boxes. in small stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's mainly made for small stuff. I think the the maximum depth I think on it is like three eighths of an inch. Three yeah. Eighths, yeah. So okay. it, it's made for small work, but I thought it was kind of, it's kind of neat. It does take like all of their um, blades for all their uh, plow planes and stuff. So you can also use it for doing some beading work and stuff like that. So I thought it was, I thought it was pretty nifty. If you, you know, if you just making small grooves or something like that, it's, it's, it's pretty nice. And it's, relatively inexpensive for what it is it's 160 bucks so 159 um so i thought it was a pretty good deal um you know if you're working in small stuff and don't need some of that um you know that would be me i don't really i, I have their bigger plow plane but i when i use it it's usually i'm not sure i'm going more than three eighths of an inch deep yeah yeah, yeah. So, so maybe this would be the one to get if you have a table saw but you want to mm -hmm. use a plow plane once in a while or, mm -hmm. or I guess you have a router table. Yeah. You want to put a nice little bead on something and, you know, don't want to buy one of those wooden molding planes, which are sometimes yeah. a crapshoot if you're, if you're buying them off eBay. And then if you get a new one, it's probably going to be more than $159. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So. And, you, and you can't interchange the blades. Exactly. <clears throat> so, you know, it could be the right fit for some people. And I thought it was kind yeah. of nifty looking and it seemed, you know, it's Veritas. It's Lee Valley. Well yeah, constructed nice and going to be a nice tool and stuff like that. And yeah. So check that out over at Lee Valley, uh, LeeValley.com. And uh, again, that is the Veritas Boxmaker Plow Plane. So with that, uh, do we have a, a patron shout out for this week? We do. Uh, this week, a big thanks as always to our Patreon supporters. Today, we're giving a huge shout out to Rex Hansen all-around great guy and recent uh, guest on the show. Mm -hmm. If you if you would like to support the MWA podcast, go to www.patreon.com forward slash MWA podcast. We would appreciate okay. your help. Thanks, Rex. Yep, thanks, Rex. And thanks yeah. for coming Rex on. Rex was also the lowdown. 
Yeah. Rex yeah. was also the uh, also recommended uh, John to us to have on the podcast. So he was like, you got to check out this guy's work. You got to get him on the show. So we have. I was we curious are. if that was him that was got this connection <laughs> going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rex, Rex about once a month, you know, sends me a list of, of folks. Hey, you need to have this guy on. You need to have this guy on. So. Oh, he's great with that. He he's got connections out of Wazoo, and uh, like he knew everyone at the school, all the classmates, their lives back and forth. He's he's an amazing guy. Yeah, he is. He is. He's a great guy, and uh, yeah, we're we're lucky to know him, and we have him on after every semester to uh, give us the lowdown of what he just learned and all that good stuff. So it's awesome. With that, uh, let's move on to what's in the shop. So, Mark, uh, where are you working on? <sighs> So many things. <laughs> I uh, if I if I'm if I pan around the shop. So I am. Uh, I had COVID, so I was oh. I was working like crazy to get ready for a class that was supposed to start next week. Came down with COVID and tried to uh, just deny that I was sick for a week, and then finally just had to stop. Mm-hmm. And so um, so we had to postpone that class. But um, the shop is still like mid preparation. So as I as I pan around the room, there's a there's a benchtop drill press that I had bought because I have a drill press, but one of the things I absolutely hate about in-person classes is waiting on tools. Yeah. Uh, so I bought a 12-inch benchtop drill press that we're going to set up so that people can two two sets of builders can drill at the same time. Uh, but that's still in its box, and it's been that way for a few weeks. And um, there is a stack of assembly jigs and layout templates and all kinds of stuff that i've been making uh and then there's like a whole bunch of cherry stickered on a cart that's going to be chair parts at some point i I have um i have all the parts for that what would have been that first class ready to go um but um now i have a bunch of extra parts so we'll Mm -hmm. see where all that stuff ends up and then um here on the bench today i've been um working on a method to shape rungs for chairs by hand into that cigar shape um Hmm. and then using a tenon cutter to cut the tenons on the ends and um just trying to decide whether i want to have the students because i'm I'm working on a class that i may be offering after handworks like at Mm -hmm. mana and it's you know it's going to involve making um rungs and posts and that sort of thing by hand and i want to i want to show people like that there are options besides having a lathe to turn the, the to turn the tenons for your shaping the the rest of the rung is pretty easy but getting a good tenon is hard yeah. um so i've been experimenting with the order of operations you know cut the tenons first you know or do some rough shaping and then cut the tenons and mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not super pleased with the quality of the surface uh when you use one of these tenon cutters it's way better than i think you know like using a draw knife and a spoke shave but um it's really hard to get the level of precision uh, that that a lathe gives you, mm-hmm. and so one of the things we have to do for this for the armchair is drill a hole in the top of the leg, and uh, that requires putting for this little benchtop drill press. So I have to make a little video about it, but to make like a ninety degree table that you can bolt to the top of the bench press and hold the leg vertically and drill right. into. And I thought, what if I put what if I put a mandrel on the bottom of that? and chucked the leg like it like a vertical lathe yeah and only used it for turning the tenons not uh, you don't want i mean i don't think it would be sturdy enough to do anything other than turn a tenon right up next to the drill chuck um but it's something i'm going to try so i may have i may have 
another yet another way to do a thing um, here before long. But that's what's that's what's sitting on the bench right this minute is just um, a tenon cutter on a drill and a dummy slat and or a dummy rung. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, Jeff and I have been working. Well, I've been I've been using my red pen. He's been doing all the work, but we're com- really working hard to re-edit the um, the manuals that we're going to be selling for the chair. Um, so that's in process too. Every time we think we're done, it's like, oh, hey, let's go through it one more time. So um, soon we'll have actual manuals that people can order and oh, download. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so, and, and please put them in a ringed binder. Oh, they're just—it's a, a digital, uh, oh, okay. digital manual. So, oh, okay. So you, you can print them and have them. You can, found. you can print, and that, yeah. so the having the printed manual is really good for out of the mm-hmm. shop. But the digital manuals are awesome because Jeff has done this crazy, Indexing. like thorough cross-referencing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the th- like one of the edits that that I suggested this week was as soon as a new jig or tool that we we show you how to make appears in the text it's referenced in in the jig section so like you flip to a page and it's like get your steam bending format you click on a on a link and it takes you right to the page on how to make that form yeah and so you and then you you can jump back and forth right and then i I, i'm just thinking of this now but there should also be a link on that page to take you right back to where you first use it and so it's little stuff like that that you know his his manuals have always been a really good reference for uh, the person who's already taken the class and wants to go home and make another chair. Uh, and now um, I look at it from the point of view of someone who's never made the chair, never taken the class, and is is following this as sort of an instructional uh, manual. And so it'll go right alongside the videos that are that we're making. And so and eventually there will actually be links to directly to the videos inside the manual. So uh, if you're you know you're looking at the manual on your on your tablet and you're like, Oh, I want to see this in action. You can click on the link and it takes you out to, to see the video of the, the process. So yeah. um, that is something for maybe next year because um, the free videos won't be available right away. I've got to make the paid courses first, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's the real oh, cool. big thing right now. Yeah. And uh, I did um, when I rescheduled that class in April, I added a class in September um so there are some spots because i wanted the people to have some choices uh for grabbing a new spot so i actually have one spot left in my july 23rd through 29th class and i have two or three spots in my in the new class which is september 17th through the 23rd and you can do an armchair or a side chair um the price for the side chair is 1450 and the armchair is 1650 yep so anybody's cool. interested join uh, get out there Get, get registered. That's what I yeah, would say. Grab a spot. Yeah. yeah. On, on the manual, the only thing I would, um, and I'm sure Jeff's got this nailed down and, and you is editing that too, is just make sure that the dimensions are easy to find. So there is a, um, a story stick. Okay, good. That you, that you make. Um, and okay. then, so all of the joinery, um, well, all the mortises are in the yeah. story stick. Uh, there, and then everything else is, you know, you have to like mark the beginning of a taper. So that's mm-hmm. right there in the drawing. That's easy to find. Uh, but like the mortises for the the slats that go in mm-hmm. the back of the chair, um, you make one, you make two measurements and then you fit it in a router jig. And so mm-hmm. the you just position those those measurements inside the jig and then lock it in place. And there are no more measurements after that. 
Um, yeah. So uh, the one of the things I want to do long term is also like develop um, full processes for doing it by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that will require maybe a little more detail. Um, but until the until we get to that point, we probably won't you know, go to all the trouble um, because that's that's actually how they started when Brian was teaching these. Brian Boggs was teaching these classes. They they chopped all those uh, mortises by hand. Wow. And, yep. um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that was like a whole day of work, mm-hmm. just chopping six mortises. So um, I think they decided that that may not be the most valuable use of student time. Um, you know, for for a seven day class. So um, it, it, they decided to go ahead and make a router template. And that's how you would do it if you were making many chairs. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I do want to show people how that's done. It's, it's, you know, it's chopping a mortise. It's not, um, it's not reinventing the wheel, but yeah. um, how, everybody's how, starting from where, where yeah. we're starting. So, you know, if you how, how shaped are those uh, back posts when you're chopping the mortise? Are you chopping them when they're still relatively square or they, they are, um, they are rectangular in cross section for the okay. most part. Okay. Um, I think when we are, gosh, it's like, I have all these processes jumbled up in my brain right at the moment. <laughs> I've done, I, you know, I've, I've read the manual three times through in the last two weeks. And so, um, and you know, it's been two months since I made a chair. So, yep. um, let me see here. I just happen to have the manual sitting on the bench. Imagine. The, yeah. <laughs> yes. So actually, you know, in the, with the power tool process, uh, the leg, Yes, the the mortises are already cut before you start shaping it round. Oh, so okay. you, you have a flat reference surface, which is mm-hmm. always important. Um, I would I would have been surprised to see that we did it curved, but you never know um, when when you're when you've got COVID and your brain is fried. So yeah. <laughs> makes from some high stakes hand mortising when it's curved like that. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So if you um if if you've been listening to this and any of this interests you. Uh, joineffort.net slash BLP, which is, yep. stands for Bria Ladderback Project. And uh, the, we've got a newsletter and I send out a new video. It's not always chair making, probably about 50-50, um, but that's the place to get the newest content. Fantastic. Brian, what's going on in your shop? Uh, I haven't actually been in the shop itself in the last week or so. I've been li- pretty much living in that garage renovation project. Uh, spent all day Saturday, uh, a little over 10 hours painting both the ceiling and the walls and um, my neck still killing me to this day from that. <laughs> it reminds you that you're not, work. Oh yeah. It reminds you you're not 30 years old anymore. You'd be looking above your, with your head back like that for that long. Um, got all the fixtures in for the lights. I have about a third of them wired in. I'm going to do some more tomorrow. Uh, and then we have to paint the trim. Uh, I picked up the turf on Friday for this. Uh, I had to look up the specs for my Toyota Tundra. It's a 2010 Toyota Tundra. I was about to say, so, yeah. how heavy it was turf? So, um, the public you're you're specs, planting turf in your garage? No, well, it's an artificial. Yeah, sort of. Artificial turf. So it's becoming okay. like an indoor athletic complex. For ah, okay. I missed the beginning yeah. of all this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, the specs say I can take 1,560 pounds in the bed of the truck. I'm like, all right. And the guy came along with a forklift. I picked it up because it's made locally here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So I'm like, well, I, you know, I'd rather just go down and get it, save myself four or $500. The guy came around with the forklift and he's like, this is going to fit. And it fit perfect. But it was like 1,450 pounds. So uh, 
you know, the suspension did fine. It didn't hit the button stops or anything. Uh, but when I was starting to drive home, it's like if you've ever driven a golf cart with like a four person golf cart with two big guys in the back, you, your steering gets really light because the front's not <laughs> fully on the ground. So um, got home just fine, beat the rain, uh, got it unloaded. And uh, so we're ready to go. I'm going to start putting that down, I think, Monday. How and did then, you uh, unload a 12, 1400 pound? roll of well the so, so these aren't yeah I, I decided not to go with rolls so these are actually like big puzzle pieces they're flat tiles you put, you put the truck in reverse and go real fast and <laughs> then shot, shot it, it back it's, yeah. it's the, uh, the, the Curtis Buchanan method of log unloading you <laughs> chain on it exactly. drive away <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps embarrassingly I mean I have a two series John Deere tractor and I have pallet forks for it and I I knew it probably wasn't gonna lift it so I fired that puppy up it didn't even get it off the bed of the truck so back the truck into the garage the one bay that still the one door that still works and we unloaded um my wife my daughter and i you know they only weigh like 18 pounds a piece uh -huh. so we unloaded and like a little assembly train off and into the garage and so we're getting there i think the hard stuff's over now uh the drywall dust is settled and haven't fallen through the ceiling yet wiring the lights in but that's a pain in the butt because it's blown in insulation in the attic and then i put a like a raised flooring system for storage in the in the garage attic and two of the lights actually well four of the lights on each side are just underneath that so i have to like crawl to get the to get to the uh, box for the lights and it's it's more more trouble than i was hoping for but hmm. uh should look should look good this way there's nothing hanging from the ceiling and uh, yeah. my daughter can take full swings because i think i think everybody's probably getting sick of here hearing about field hockey but um, that's what that's what that area is going to be for, uh, so she can take you know full full shots at a, a full size goal inside the garage and not be afraid to break anything. So after she's done, you're going to sell like memberships. <laughs> yeah, you know what I I that we I mean where I live that's and especially in our high school as yeah. a female that is the sport to play. Mm -hmm. So I, if if somebody wants to come up and use it to have lessons, that's fine. I'll, you know, ten bucks, four pack of beer, I'll take it. <laughs> so yeah, but she uh, my daughter went and tried out for the. Uh, junior u.s national indoor team uh last week and we wasn't quite what we thought it would be we it wasn't flighted by age at all they made teams by last name oh. so my so my, my daughter who is 11 almost 12 was playing both with and against current and former u.s national players d1 to three athletes <laughs> you know elite club 16 to 17 year olds and but she held her own you know i gotta say that you know, the coaches the scouts whoever they they probably know, like, even yeah. though it's not her class of, of player, like, you know, her poise and her ability to deal with that adversity. And you yeah, know, it's, I, bet uh, it, I bet it, they learned a lot about her and it probably was good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting because she's tall for her age. So she kind of blended in with a lot of people, but there were two other girls that are her age. We've seen on the circuit before. And this one little girl, I just saw her just get, she just got shot over the boards by some of these older girls and just, cause it gets a little, little chippy at times. So it's uh yeah, but that's that's where we're at. Um, I still have to get the gold together. The net is here for the goal. Um, you know, it's much easier to make as a woodworker to make your own goal than spend three thousand dollars for and you know try and mm -hmm. get that back when you go to sell it after that that phase is over. So you can't just like stick some PVC together to make the goal. Uh, that would shatter. I mean, this <laughs> this ball's moving about forty miles an hour. Yeah, <laughs> and the ball is hard. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's field hockey players are not wimpy people. You know, they get no. hit, they it's take a deep breath and keep going. So, but yeah, well, well, I can't wait for you to post about this. So it's gonna be great. Yeah, I have. I've been taking videos along the along the line yeah. here, and uh, 
once I get all the crap out of the garage and get the the uh, turf down, that 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 process should go pretty quick because it's forty six inches by twenty three inches per yeah. per puzzle piece, and just knock it together and cut off what you need to cut off on the ends. I expect like a Matt Cremona type thing when you're laying down the turf, like he's doing his flooring, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind having his little telehander. That, that that thing would be handy. Oh, that would, that would. That would have took the, t the turf out of the truck. Yeah. yeah. Not my little John Deere, but. Just storing that thing is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I have some, I have some, I think I talked about this last time. I have to make a desktop for my new standing desk. So, you know, just, I have a lot of woodworking projects in the wings. Just haven't got there yet. So mm -hmm. just need a little bit more time. Yeah. What, what about you, Kyle? Um, let's see. Well, the usual is going on here is basically fulfilling orders, making jigs and whatnot. So, <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, one of the things that uh, kind of has been up on the internet, at least caught my eye, probably because I was tagged in the stuff, but is the uh, template turning for the... Uh, uh tapered uh tenons on uh you know chair legs and whatnot so there's been a couple of folks uh, uh let's see it's dp uh make stuff it's uh justin painter i believe um anyway he made um he made a little uh contraption with the template turning with the tower unit and it follows the uh, six degree taper for his lathe and uh, did a fantastic job worked really well and then, of course, um, Blake Laurie also and uh, uh, Jason Gallagher also made one for uh, their project. I think I brought this up in the podcast, but if not, they have an order for 100 Windsor chairs. So yeah. there was they're all different styles. Or no, no, style? no. Same style. Same style. Oh, that they're, would get like a cafe. Brutally monotonous. Yeah, yeah. So so Blake got this order, so he enlisted Jason to come down and help him with the order. So one of the things to, you know, speed things along is they kind of made a version of, of my uh, six-degree template turning uh, jig for uh, turning all the uh, taper tenons on all their chair legs. So, yeah. Can you, can you buy a five-gallon bucket of milk paint? Like, will real milk paint send the... I don't know. I don't know. What are you doing on the finish? Yeah, but it's a... It's a yeah, I, I don't guess I did bring it up on it, but it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, they uh, they do have a post out there if you check Blake Laurie's uh, Instagram about how this came about. But there was a, uh, a local restaurant that was, you know, well known, you know, and all that. And it burned down around the holiday. So they were fully insured, I guess, and all that kind of stuff. So they're building a new restaurant. And one of the things to outfit the restaurant is they're going to uh, get all their interior type type stuff from local craftspeople. So they hired Blake to do all the chairs, which was an order for a hundred chairs. So yeah. Yeah. It's good for him. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well ask him yeah. when he's done. We we That's, I, th that yeah. might be a good thing to have uh both Blake and uh Jason back on the show after they're done with this to give their oh, little yeah. Two cents. I think it's an excellent idea. Yeah, yeah. Because a job like that can can. Well, I think I I think I commented yeah. on that. That's a make or break thing. Like it, mm -hmm. you know, you you can fill an order like that and end up uh, in in a really great place or a really bad place. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's like getting an order from Walmart. Like if you're if you're not ready for that kind of scale, mm -hmm. it can be really hard on your business. So, um, but I, they seem like they're handling it really well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. 
Yeah. Um, Blake did reach out to me when he got the order and said, Hey, would any of your jigs work for this? And I went, yeah, but my jigs are mainly made for one-off stuff. You, you know, if you're doing a hundred chairs, you need something that's just boom, boom, boom dialed in. I go, you know, my stretcher jig would work great. And I told him about, and he asked about the tenant the, uh, what I call template turning a uh, jig for doing the uh, tenants. I go, yeah, that would work great. But you know, um, and, and I showed him a couple other uh, chair makers that have done some big orders or are doing this more on a uh, big scale where they just have, you know, Hey, we're just making these two designs. So they have everything jigged up just to make those two designs. So, but it looks like they're getting through it pretty well. So I'm trying to do the math on my head on the number of logs. That would probably need to to make a hundred chairs. I guess it well, depends on the style mm-hmm. of the Windsor, but that, well, just that's like, a lot. Of, how many Morrises are they? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. You got to sell them. You got to sell them some uh, Trident bits. Yeah, <laughs> at least four. Yeah, they, they, I think they are using my Trident bits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least four hundred, because I know um, that's yeah. just the the legs, and then you've got an H stretcher they, which has six yeah. mortises in it, plus all the spindles. Mm-hmm. Plus the, the holes in the crest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it adds up quick. We were counting, we were counting mortises on the on these chairs. You know, it's like twenty two yeah. mortises. And yeah. yeah, there's a there's a guy on the on uh, Instagram. I think it's Windsor Chair Makers or something like that. But uh, yeah, these guys they make like I don't know some about about two versions of stools and about three or four versions of Windsor chairs. But they have these, um, I guess, uh, wooden blanks that or a wooden, I guess, fixture that sits over the seat plank and it has drill bushings at all the angles for all the uh, spindles and the legs. So they can just come around with the drill and drill them all. Boom, 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 boom. And they got them all, you know, there. But I did figure out um, one thing about that because I was going, what does he do to taper his tenons, you know, and our Remus, uh, Remus leg holes? Uh, he doesn't ream, so you know. Yeah, <laughs> he just he just straight uh, straight tenons, and you know they're they are wedged and stuff like that. So, but uh, that's uh, the Amish chair makers yeah. that I used to get chairs from back in the day. They had a they had a a machine that you could put the seat into, mm-hmm. and it had spindles for every hole. And they had you know they had them these little U joints, right? So you could you could all right. you could put power to it at a ninety degree angle, and then it would turn it into a specific angle. And they could drill every hole at once. Yep. You just, you know, you put it in there and you put your mm-hmm. hands on the safety and you push a button and brat, it just drills all these holes at once. And they didn't, they didn't drill through holes for their legs. Yeah. So they were just driven into the bottom of the seat. So of course there was no tapering. Right. But, uh, but if they wanted to taper it, they would just get a custom ground bit. Um, oh yeah. That's a drill, a drill bit that's tapered. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I would solve that problem. So. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I believe um, Blake is using Blake and Jason are using uh, Sean Murphy's uh, all metal reamer to, yeah. to ream all those, which yeah, makes sense. Reamer. Yeah, yeah makes they, sense. they're going to get really good at sharpening that thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be and, interesting to track how many times you have to sharpen like a spoke shave or your draw knife in the course of that pro. You know that what that ma- order. What mm-hmm. material are they making them out of? I'm not sure. Wood, I believe. <laughs> well, that would make sense. Yeah, Resin. Yeah, their expertise. <laughs> Stick with what you know, guys. River chairs. <laughs> All epoxy. Interesting. Um, 
Well, with that, um, let's see. So that uh, what else do I got going on? I got drill bits. I think last episode I, I mentioned that we were going uh, back and forth with the manufacturer on some half-inch drill bits. Didn't really like the way the uh, first batch performed. They reworked them, sent them back to me, and them flawless. Absolutely outstanding. Nice. So it's really good. Both the 5 eighths and the half-inch bits. Um, I don't want to say there's zero blowout on the backs of the hole, but they're really clean cutting. I'll say that. You know, there might be just a little bit of tear out on the backside, but uh, not much at all. So it's, uh, they're pretty good, not bad. And then uh, for fun, um, I had a interesting uh, situation with the delivery of some bubble wrap, believe it or not. So from, from like you love? No, no, no. The, you the, 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 off, uh, I believe it was off Amazon. Yeah, it was off Amazon. And um, so a ship FedEx, which, is interesting because I don't get many shipments by FedEx. It's either UPS or um, usually it's UPS or Amazon delivery. And so this FedEx driver uh, took this roll of bubble wrap, set it on my front door and left. And we had about 25 mile an hour winds gusting to about 35 mile an hour wind. And so I get this notice, hey, your shipment's been delivered. So I went downstairs and nope. <laughs> nowhere to be seen and so uh, i went in i looked i went you know i saw the picture you know on fedex website they took a picture of it you can you know it's right there in front of my front door but i guarantee you about two minutes after that guy left it got blown away and probably ended up on one of our canals i imagine i was about to Cause, say yeah Float yeah because i went driving down the street trying to find it and i couldn't so I better wound up in the canals because because if one of our neighbors would have found it, they would have brought it back to me. That's not a problem. Yeah. So it's a, anyway, it's so floaty for a gator now. Exactly. So I'm so sitting you, there. you've added to the big garbage plastic garbage patch in the ocean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It just has to make its way all the way around through the canal and over into the Pacific. And yeah, yeah, it's got to make it yep. through the out of the Gulf of Mexico around. Yeah, it probably will in a few years. Or is there but, also uh, one in the Atlantic? It probably is. Seems like they're half. Yeah, we, we, well, we have the, the Atlantic has. Yeah, the Atlantic has the big seaweed patch right now. Yeah. But there's probably a big plastic patch out there. The so. seaweed patch is full of plastic, I'm sure. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I left a note for the manufacturer and FedEx. I've heard back from FedEx, but I haven't heard from the manufacturer or the uh, sh seller, should I say? And so we'll see. I mean, it's 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 not much money. It's only thirty two bucks, but still. But I did think it was kind of hilarious. I mean, I, I sit there and pull them. I go, why would he drop off something like that with all this wind going around and just like, here, I'm out of here. Next time you have to leave a a, a, a cinder block on the port. So like, the <laughs> exactly. Note says, Please put this on top of the bubble wrap. I need to look for bubble wrap on Amazon. I, I've been ordering it from Uline and that stuff costs as much to ship as it does to buy the bubble wrap. Yeah, no, it's no, it's the bubble wraps cheaper on uh, Amazon. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I live about half an hour from one of the Uline uh, warehouses. It's like a 1.3 oh, nice. million square foot. And you can go there and pick it up as long as it's like over a $300 threshold. And that, that place is so cool. Yeah, you know, I this, believe it. You see these guys whipping around on the uh, forklifts with like this stuff barely hanging on to it it doesn't budge and it's mm -hmm. it's a really neat building yeah i wish i was that lucky running around in there too yeah yeah i i think i looked up i think their distribution center for me is in dallas so it's a little bit of a trip and i assume that's the one that probably ships to you mark it's the one out of dallas i get a lot of stuff from chicago oh really okay yeah maybe so yeah well anyway with that uh so john what are you working on in your shop 
Uh, right now in my shop, it is all set up at the moment. So, um, oh, the fun yeah, stuff. It, yeah, <laughs> I know, lots of fun. Uh, it's it's kind of a cool change getting to set up your own shop. But uh, yeah, I just got back from Boston. I finished the program at the beginning of February, end of January. Uh, so mm -hmm. then moved back here to Cincinnati where I grew up. And uh, yeah, there's this old shop down here underneath one of the churches that we have. And uh, a lot of old tools. So it's going through and organizing things and uh, doing maintenance on many of the tools that I want to keep. And then uh, uh, organizing a bunch of lumber that was left down here and uh, just scrap pieces of everything from wood to uh, metal pieces and uh, glass uh, sheets um, and yeah, uh, lots of PVC pipes that I can use for dust collection eventually. Um, so trying <laughs> to be creative with the things that I find, but it's all organizing and uh, maintenance at the at the moment now. So, so are you having to buy any tools as far as heavy tools like table saws and stuff like that? Yeah. So uh, the main thing is a jointer and planer, okay. um, and then uh, maybe a table saw. Uh, there's an old uh sears craftsman uh contractors table saw that's down here uh mm -hmm. with a decent table that's been built around it um so i'm trying to do maintenance on that to uh you know get the blade aligned with the um those uh the uh miter slots, uh, miter slots yeah. yeah and then the you know table blade run out and all that kind of stuff trying to get all that straight Cool, cool. So what are you going to do with joiner planers? You're going to get a combo machine or are you looking at doing separates? No, I was looking at doing separates. They have been yep. having a deal around me here um, for a Powermatic joiner and planer uh, for like 10% off. So mm -hmm. I was hoping to get in on that. Uh, but um, actually, I think it just ended. So probably not. <laughs> uh, they do that about once a quarter. So yeah. do they? Okay. Yeah. I'll yeah. Make, make the next one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, also a, a tip for those out there, if you need any parts or accessories, when they have that 10% off sale, you can get their parts and accessories for 10% off too. So. Good idea. Yep, yep. I upgraded my uh, uh, my joiner planer, my 12-inch jet from standard straight knives to helical heads on there, 10% off. So occasionally they have like 15 or 20% off, at least back in the day. I don't know if they do that still, but... I know that 10% off, it seems like it's about once a quarter or something like that. Well, so that's cool. That's cool, John. So how, how long have you, so you said you graduated in what, January, late January? Yeah, first? late January, early February. I think I, I had my last day right at the beginning of February. Okay. So have you, um, so when you went back to, did you go immediately back to Cincinnati? After? Pretty much. I gave myself about a week and a half to gather things together um okay. and get ready for the move okay so th that's that leads me into my question so how much stuff were you actually moving from boston back to cincinnati oh gosh more than i've ever had to move before uh, <laughs> <laughs> you made some new furniture to take home that's yeah. exactly it the furniture yeah. and the tools that i acquired were a bunch so i got uh um a u-haul it's the it was the smallest kind of uh box truck size right uh, so i had to get that and it all fit in there pretty well it wasn't squeezing it in but uh wasn't super loose either um but yeah usually when i've had to move from city to city it's all fit in a your standard car uh but not this time <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and it made it kind of stressful too and just 
making sure that all the furniture I made was wrapped well. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it gave me a lot of anxiety just thinking, you know, <laughs> I've got this great piece I worked month, months on. I do not want it to get a scratch on it. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. You could use some bolt wrap. Um. <laughs> <laughs> moving blankets. Oh, moving. It flew away before I came. I got it. Exactly. I can make you a deal on some moving blankets. I got a lot of moving blankets. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought uh, a pack. So I had, I think, three from the school for a uh, Rhode Island furniture show that mm -hmm. we went to. And then I bought another 12 off of Amazon. Oh, boy, that box was heavy when I got it. I can uh, imagine. Oh. Yeah. It's dense stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Harbor Freight's a good. It's one of their finds is on moving blankets. They're fairly decent quality. I don't want to say they're outstanding quality, but they're fairly decent and they're at a decent price. So, all you need is decent. Yeah, moving blanket. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all you need. That's all you need. Well, so John, um, before we get started, let's address the elephant in the room. So tell us about being a uh, Franciscan friar and in going to North Bennett Street School and all of that. So how, how long have you been a friar? So I first joined the Friars in 2014. Um, okay. And when you first join, you're not actually a Friar. For the first year, yeah. you're called a postulant. Uh, so it's basically like you're coming, you're living with the Friars, you're eating with them, you're praying with them, you're going out seeing the places that they have throughout, you know, the portion of the country that they reside, um, and doing ministry uh, at the various places that we have. So, um, yeah, I started in 2014, and... Uh, uh, I, you go through a period of, after that first year, a year of kind of intense, you're more in solitude, almost like monks. Um, mm -hmm. and you devote that year to prayer, fraternity, fraternity and ministry, and, uh, really discerning if that's kind of what you want to do and learning the life of St. Francis. Uh, and then after that, you go on to, uh, you know, three, about three years of, uh, studies in Chicago. Um, and then you take one year for full-time ministry, like an internship. And then at the end of that year, you can decide if, uh, basically you want to have your religious wedding, uh, right. take your song vows, we say. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I did that. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, I guess two, a little over two years ago. Um, two years okay. ago from December. Well, well that, that's great. That's great. Um, uh, hats off to you. It's 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 a wonderful calling and uh, it's outstanding. Now, how did that translate to uh, you going to, I guess, the head friar and say, hey, I want to be a woodworker and I want to go to North Bennett Street School and <laughs> do I'll all that. I'll be right that. back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make no, some good <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I got into furniture making before I, I joined the friars. And, uh, you know, as I really grew in my relationship with God and then later decided to look into religious life, uh, I really saw kind of the woodworking or the hands-on uh, experience as a gift that God gave me. Uh, so I felt like that was something I should really develop. So when I was looking into religious life, um, I looked at different orders and uh, I wanted to make sure that it was something that, you know, I could still do because uh, I really enjoyed it. It gave me a lot of joy. And um uh thought you know it could be beneficial something beneficial to others too um but you know as you're looking into religious life just like with dating um you'll find pla places that fit places that don't fit places that could fit um mm -hmm. and there were a lot of places that it was just kind of not really an option 
uh, for them, uh, for me to be able to pursue woodworking. And then there are some places where, oh yeah, you could do that. But you know, if we ask you to stop, you'd have to stop. Uh, but the friars here, when I came and did my interview with them, I brought it up. I was like, you know, I'd really still like to pursue this in the future. And they're like, oh yeah, that's great. No, uh, I think that's a great idea. We used to have a lot of guys that were woodworkers and uh, carpenters and leather workers. Um, and they said, you know, as long as you go through formation, get your theology and philosophy done. And then after that, I think it's a great idea if you go. Um, so that's how, you know, these two lives uh, began to mesh together. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, so when you were in Boston, were you uh, part of a uh, religious order there or? Yep. Uh, yeah. So okay. uh, the Franciscan friars, they extend throughout the United States. Right. Um, right now, we are currently in seven provinces. So it's like seven geographical locations. Mm -hmm. uh, so two on the West Coast, two on the East Coast, three in the Midwest kind of thing right now. And um, we're in the process of merging. Six of the provinces are going to merge into one. So they will, there will be two provinces in the United States. Uh, and one of the provinces we're merging with is located around Boston and down mm -hmm. to New York. Uh, so I was able to live with the friars that are located in Boston. Um, Ooh, and they, it was, yeah, it was excellent. They're right downtown in Boston. So it was a 15 minute walk to me for the school um, and good community. Was oh, really, that's fantastic. Opportunity. Oh yeah, that is great. And uh, yeah, so, well, so that's great. So when you, so when you went to, uh, so you went to school, I guess, uh, during the week and then, uh, did your religious work on the weekends, that type of thing. And at night. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there I got involved with helping out in the young adults ministry that it was called St. Anthony shrine there. Um, mm -hmm. so it was kind of, I moved in right at the end of the pandemic. So, uh, we were trying to revitalize that young adults ministry. So we would do that, um, you know, once or twice a month on the weekends. Uh, so that would help mm -hmm. some of that time. Yeah. And I'm sure there are, you know, quite a few Catholics there in Boston. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, especially the North End where I went to school. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, Catholics. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. Well, that yeah. sounds like that sounds like a great experience and all of that. Uh, and uh, but um, one thing I'd like to understand is, is how has your faith really impacted your woodworking and stuff like that? I mean, well, what does your your faith bring to your woodworking? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, uh, really a lot, I guess. It's very integral. Um, and I, I guess first I'll start with specifically the Franciscan and then mm. uh, that'll jump into the overall faith. Um, but with the Franciscan charism, uh, so it started from St. Francis back in the 13th century uh, who founded this uh, order of priests and brothers. Um, but he's the patron saint for kind of uh, ecology and animals uh, in creation. And so he wrote uh, his a canticle at one point. He was known for playing the violin um, mm. as far as the stories that we have. Now, whether he played it well or not well, <laughs> there's been different sources <laughs> that say things with that. Um, but, uh, um, but he did write uh, something that's pretty popular in the Catholic, especially Franciscan world is called the Canticle of the Creature. Um, so it basically goes like uh, praising the sun for uh, bringing the light of day, the sun and moon for twinkling at night, uh, goes on to 
um, and it, it'll call each one brother or or sister. So like brother sun, sister moon, uh, brother fire, sister water, and then praise all these things for the good things that they give us all the way down to sister death. Um, but it, it, the Franciscan charism is very integrated into this idea of creation and in uh, using what God gives you, gives you and the talents that God gives you. Um, just like in the rule of St. Francis, the one that any Franciscan kind of tries to strive and live by in our communities, uh, Francis urged um, any brother that has a skill when he joins uh, is encouraged to keep using that skill if he can for a ministry. Um, so that's that real Franciscan part. Uh, but overall with the faith, um, it, you know, all the world is is creation. Um, and we see it as, you know, God created mm -hmm. the universe. Um, everything that we see and experience was created by God and even the trees. Um, so it's a real beautiful uh, thing for me to think about kind of co-creating with God. Um, so you get to take this natural, beautiful thing from creation, the tree, uh, with the wood and uh, create something beautiful out of that. And you can't just take it and do whatever you want with it. Uh, you have to look at the grain, how it's cut, how you're working with the grain, how the grain's moving, and things like that. So it's not just taking it and doing whatever you want, but it's really kind of working with God and kind of what he's already established on this earth. Um, so mm -hmm. it's in itself is a very meditative thing to be in the shop. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I really like that. Well, that, that is outstanding. Now, now you're going to be, I guess, well, you're a friar now, but you're also going to be doing custom woodworking yep. as a, yep. uh, profession. Now, how does, how does that, that work? Um, do you, uh, I assume that you sell, if you sell some custom woodworking and stuff like that and do commission work, then the proceeds from that go back to your order? Yep, that's right. Yep. So okay. uh, it begins with our local fraternity. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm living with uh, three other guys about 10 miles away from where my shop is right now, five to 10 miles. And mm -hmm. the three others work at our high school in Roger Bacon, called Roger Bacon. Um, okay. So uh, each individual friary will bring in an income uh, and uh, you know, ultimately be self-supportive. Uh, some mm -hmm. priories cannot because they do more outreach than um, right. uh, more profitable uh, kind of ministry. Um, so then any house that uh, ends up with uh, more money than you know, what is needed for the next month or two or so for uh, sustaining itself gets sent into our provincial headquarters. Uh, and that goes towards anything from those other ministries that need more su financial support to uh, friars that are in formation, kind of learning about this way of life for their education, um, as well as various charities that uh, we donate to and commit ourselves to. Oh, fantastic. Well, after seeing your work, I mean, I think you're going to be supporting a number of friaries around uh, the uh, yeah. Cincinnati area. So. I hope so. That's the goal. <laughs> Well, so tell us a little bit about your experience in North Bennett Street School. So uh, when, when exactly d did you um, uh, enter into the program? Was it 20, what, 2020 or 2019? 20, uh, 2020, no, 2023, yeah, or 
Wait, no, it's 2021. Now it's 2021. 2021. Okay, okay. Yeah, 2021. Okay. Well, so, so, um, so what, what, what were your biggest, I guess, takeaways from going through the program? You said you were in the woodworking before you went to the program. So, um, how, how did North Bennett Street School impact what you knew and what you came out with? Uh, the overarching an answer is ingraining the fundamentals in me. Um, you know, before the school, you know, I, I probably started when I was 15 from high school. So mm -hmm. um, it, before the school, it was all self-taught, you know, looking online and in books and magazines and trying to follow these instructions and test things out. Um, and so uh, I had a fair amount of self-taught experience, but nothing professional. So going in there, I just kind of had to leave everything at the door um, and just try to start from scratch. Of course, I had some skills that would translate, but um, it, to really just take it as I didn't know anything at that point. So, mm -hmm. um, so they really, you know, beginning from drafting uh, and being real meticulous about drafting and working from a simple butt, butt joint drafting up to a cabinet on stand, and then going through, um, you know, honing your tools and sharpening your chisels, uh, you know, really went a long way when I started working with you know, curly bird's eye maple right. and getting a nice, nice sharp yeah. edge on my tools. Um, and they let you know that in the beginning, but it's not until you actually start experiencing it and working with that, that you see, oh yeah, they're, mm -hmm. they're right. It really makes a difference to have a sharp tool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, I think the way too that each semester and each part of a semester, each lesson built on top of each other uh, was really instructive and very helpful. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things that Rex brought up is, mm -hmm. hey, you learn um, task A and then they give you task B that builds on A, but you go back and repeat A and then you do B and then B you move to C and while you're doing C, you got to go back and repeat A, B. Yeah, <laughs> that that's, right. yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that really will ingrain those fundamentals into you and stuff like that. I, I'm very jealous because, you know, I can sharpen a tool very well, but I have like five or six different sharpening systems. Oh. I'm one of those guys when they say, hey, just pick one and stick with it. Well, I'm the guy that picked five, stuck with five. You know? like, oh, if I'm sharpening this tool, I'm doing it. If I'm sharpening this tool, I'm doing it this way, which is not great, but hey, it works. <laughs> Hey, if it works for you and if it gets it sharp, that's yeah, that's yeah. But uh, I mean, my sharpening kit is way bigger than it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's, that's fantastic. So, what um, what was your favorite project you made there at North Bennett Street School? Oh gosh, um, favorite project. It's hard. It's hard to pick because they're so different. But um, I'd have to put it kind of a toss up between two. Uh, one would be the dressing mirror, the 18th century dressing mirror or oh, shaving yeah. mirror that I made. Mm. Um, just because That's it incorporated. Really nice oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah. yeah, it incorporated so many skills. Um, you know, making an oval frame for a mirror that you know was sturdy enough to hold a mirror. Funny backstory with that is I went to go pick up the mirror uh, from the shop that I was getting it custom cut at. Uh, and he said, you know, be real careful with this. You know, the mirror is heavy. I don't want it to break that frame. I was like, in my head, it's not <laughs> I made it well. Um, Please. <laughs> but, uh, 
but anything from making an oval shaped mirror frame to an oxbow front and uh, cock beating around a drawer and veneering the frame and drawer and stringing, um, bending your own nails in order to use the screw um, and tighten the mirror to the post. Mm -hmm. um, there are just a lot of cool skills with that. Um, I think the one other that I would label a favorite that didn't have as many new skills, uh, but is definitely something I'm really proud of is the Martha Washington chair I made uh, with that nice green upholstery. Um, mm -hmm. Just because I wanted to learn an armchair before leaving there, so I picked that one. Uh, but then also um, the extensive. Oh, that, that's a that's a beautiful, beautiful chair, and I like one of the uh, the uh, photos on your Instagram, like comparing it to uh, uh, the one that you based yours off of, and it's. I, I think I like yours a little better. I mean, you got some, uh, uh, I guess, some veneering inlay in there and stuff like that that the original yeah. didn't have. <laughs> Thanks, you, beautiful, I appreciate beautiful carving. I mean, I'd say I like mine more too. <laughs> yeah, and the carving, yeah, yeah, yeah the carving's good. I'm looking at it now. The carvings are gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I mean, luckily I was there. I had Lance Patterson and Dan Faya right there to to mm -hmm. show me how to do it. So, uh, but once they showed me, it made a lot of sense. Now, I'm, and um, for listeners, we'll post links to this in the uh, show notes for you. But um, so I noticed the bottom of that where the carving is, is a turn piece. So I assume that turn piece goes into the square piece with the inlay. Uh, it's all one piece. It's all one uh, piece. The whole leg's one piece, yeah. Until you get to that mm. curve at the top. Until you get to the curve. Yep, where exactly. It okay. Fantastic. Wow. That is impressive. Uh, I bet that was uh, that was some interesting turning. Uh, I would imagine it was. You know, I'm one sure of you the were, things... I would be white knuckling that turning. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't have much wood to spare, so. Um, and then you have to go back and carve all the flutes, and yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. Even more fun on top of that. Yeah, Did you carve so, the float flutes on the lathe. Uh, no, I marked them out on the lathe, and then okay. I brought it back to my bench to carve it. Um, okay. But yeah, you know, the, the school is big on making test pieces, especially when you're turning something. I'm not mm. so big on it. I just want to get at <laughs> it and, and go. We'll save time. I'm the same way. <laughs> but that was one where like, okay, I'll make a test piece for this one. Uh, and because it came in handy for the turning, but then also the uh, the uh, flutes and reeds as well yeah. and practicing on those. So that's one time I was so glad I did that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so what is it? I assume that's mahogany there? Yep. Yep, yep. So did you... Uh, yeah, I'll do a little poplar test piece or something like that, right? <laughs> or, yeah. or did you do the test piece in mahogany also? I did do it out of mahogany. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they said you could do it out of both. The benefit, you know, out of doing it from the same material is you right. get the same feel with the tools. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, especially... Yeah. Do, the two, do two tests. If you if you can force yourself to do it, you do it in the cheap wood first to you know get a, a hang for the get a feel for how you need to move around the work, and then yeah, like you said, well, you just, there's nothing like. Well, doing no, it I like I like the same. Wood. Yeah, I like the test piece in the final wood because that way, if it turns out great, then hey, one down, one to go. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, Happy surprise! That is, yeah, that is some that is some outstanding outstanding work. It's yeah. Um, so. So uh, did you do the upholstery or did someone else do that? Yeah, so uh, there's a guy, Jerry Nadal, uh, out of Massachusetts, an upholsterer, in traditional upholsterer. He came in and actually taught me how to make it. 
uh, or how to do that upholstery. So I think we spent seven or eight days together um, wow. working on that. So, yeah, I just assumed you probably sent that out, but that you did that yourself. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mostly just wanted to not necessarily to do that again, that specific piece, although yeah. it would be cool, but um, someone else could get it done faster. But at least to know what questions to ask an upholster if I have another heavily upholstered piece. You learn the yeah. language. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That is, that's some outstanding work. So outstanding I, work. I very much appreciate the, the Martha, is it the Martha Washington uh, chair? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's I, called I, for, a, what a, I forgot, a, a lowling chair? A lowling chair. Yeah. 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 I, I appreciate it for the skill and the work that goes into it, but I really like the modern chair that you made as oh, far thanks. as you know, a chair that I would put in a house that I, you know, that I would live with. I really like right, it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that was when we do the, the chair workshop at the school that introduces us to chairs and you do that your third semester. Um, you have a choice, but you can vary from these choices. But uh, if you take one of them, you've got patterns and a drawing already to kind of work off of and duplicate. Uh, but there's the, um, the Queen Anne chairs with a variety of legs and feet. Um, and then uh, modern one and modern two. Uh, so that was the modern two chair that, or sorry, the modern one chair that I made. So it's kind of the simplest design. And uh, I did that during a summer of bench rentals just because I had already done a Queen Anne. So I just wanted to see like, all right, can I do this on my own without instructor's guidance? And how quick can I make a modern one chair um, and kind of mm -hmm. produce it for a client? Well, yeah. And that one's beautiful too. Happy with the results? Yeah, yeah, very. Well, that, that is, that is fantastic. So, um, so as you move on from where you are with, uh, going through North Dependent Street School and learning all the skills and techniques. So where do you want to go yourself within the craft? Uh, so as you... yeah, custom furniture, whether that's for uh, like liturgical furniture or laity, uh, like household, uh, furniture, mm. um, I'd kind of like a mix of both. Um, I don't want to stick to one or the other, but, mm -hmm. you know, there's definitely a beauty in liturgical furniture for me and making something that can last, you know, a long time to be in a place of worship. Um, right. Uh, so I think that's, um, you know, real great privilege to be able to make something uh, like that. Um, but I also don't want to deprive myself of just being able to work for, make things for the general public, because uh, I still love that interaction and don't want to just be um, stuck in our, you know, uh, kind of religious lifestyle um, bubble the whole time. Right. Because um, I think it's it's great to just be in touch with anyone else and see what their lives are like and get in touch with them and share what my life's like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Uh, um a question that arises is the liturgical furniture. Is there a particular style you have to stay within, within that furniture, or does it vary? Uh, it can vary. There's, okay. yeah, uh, I'm sure, you know, for certain things like tabernacles, there's going to be specifications that right. you have to meet. Um, but yeah, some churches that we have have very modern furniture, mm -hmm. uh, altars, ambos, pews, uh, and then some have very traditional pieces. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's what I figured. But I just, I just didn't know if if uh, some liturgical furniture that you would be making would be uh, within your your friary, or if it would go into some of the you know houses of worship and stuff like that. Oh uh, yeah, it could be either. either or. Or. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, um, tell us a little bit about your design style. So, what design style you have? That modern chair. You got the. Uh, Martha's chair. You have um, the, um, I guess Queen Anne, Queen Anne style, and uh, you know, well, what's your favorite style of furniture so far that you've made? My favorite you, is kind of that. Yeah, I guess the Queen Anne. I like the period piece furniture. You like the period piece, yeah? Yeah, I, I just love the complexity and beauty of it. Mm -hmm. um, the shapes look so nice together and just flow so well. Uh, so I really like those. I mean, realistically and today's world not many people want to buy it i don't think there will be some of course but mm -hmm. uh you know like you said mark i think that modern chair is what people will like and if i had a home i'd probably get those modern chairs for myself um so yeah favorite style to make is definitely more period piece type of things um but yeah i don't know i still like the quickness of the modern one too <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something to be said no, about no, that. no banding and right. cock beating and any of that stuff to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll definitely have to, you know, since you're in Cincinnati, stop by uh, uh, Chris's shop and uh, you know take a uh, you know oh, that's right. a stick chair class or something like that. Okay, yeah, I should. Mm -hmm. Do you know where in Cincinnati? Uh, he's in he's Covington, in Fort Mitchell, or yeah, Covington, Covington across. Oh, the okay. Yeah, across the river. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's real close. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd I'd look up. Uh, yeah, look up Lost Art Press. But yeah, they have. Um, every so often, they have days that they uh, open up the shop. Well, you can stop by any time, and uh, and if they're there, they'll be more than happy to entertain you. But they also have some. Uh, I think weekend. Yeah, like what? open studio hours. Open, yeah, yeah, open studios. Yeah, yeah. You can go and, you know, peruse the books and, you know, all that kind of stuff and hang out and ask them any questions. But, uh, yeah, they're teaching some classes. And, yeah, I'd recommend some of the stick chair classes. Uh, Chris Williams, uh, who's a, uh, a chairmaker from uh, Wales. He's a Welsh uh, chairmaker making the Welsh stick chair. And uh, that's a fantastic class. I imagine it's sold out at this point in time. But... <laughs> If you can get on, I'll be yeah. If you can get on the waiting list, uh, that might not be a bad idea because sometimes they do have some okay. openings. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's a really, really neat guy. But yeah, I'd recommend uh, going over there and hanging out since you're so close. Yeah, I definitely will because I, I, of course, I also want to make a lot of connections with other woodworkers around the area too. Oh yeah, yeah, and he has a lot of connections, and he has a guy that's. A few, uh, some custom furniture maker that's a um, few streets over for him that he's getting a lot, a lot of this bog oak. So it's, you know, some oak that's been in a bog for like Thousands a thousand years or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That is not a light chair. No, it's not a light chair. No. <laughs> well, the weigh regular, see the weight. The regular Welsh uh, stick chair is not a light chair either. It's pretty heavy. A lot of mass. Yeah, it's, a, it's got a yeah. mass to the seat. Yeah. yeah but you I notice he didn't put a didn't put a, a tall back on that chair, so maybe that was his strategy to keep the weight down. And, mm, Slow center of gravity too. No, I think he's made some from it. That's typical stick chairs. I think that was, I was just that one he made in a class that he was teaching oh. that low back in. Oh. Okay. 
Yeah, it's like one of those things. Hey, I made this in the class, so and it doesn't suck, so I'm going to sell it. <laughs> so you know that kind of thing. Well, anyway, so um, we did talk a little bit about the the uh, the shop that you're setting up. So, um, but I do have another question: How big is the shop that you have? Uh, it's quite big. I'm not good at like square footage, but um, yeah, yeah, it's got. Uh, it's got two um, cut-up bowling alley floors as old benches. Um, okay. And those extend across the whole length of it. Um, it's uh, basically, I guess, yeah, the length of a bowling alley and the width of maybe five. Wow. You've got a, yeah, that's a work big. pitch that's, that runs the length of a bowling alley? So it's cut up. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it would be like um, maybe two uh quarters of a bowling alley one is on one end in the middle and then the others on the other ends uh, oh, okay middle. okay yeah. gotcha that's that's still a nice uh, space yeah that's it nice. is yeah yeah i'm lucky to have this much room wow and, and so how's power there you got all the power you need yep yep yeah so uh this room was actually uh oh old carpentry shop um okay there was a carpenter or a woodworker and then a carpenter i'm not quite sure the order um probably 15 or 20 years ago since it's been used uh that used to work down here um and it's right underneath the church that we have the shrine church mm -hmm. uh, so i can't use it during like service hours i was gonna uh, ask that yeah all the machinery mm -hmm. um but spoon carving time yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh the guy that was here did an excellent job he's got great lighting down here excellent electricity uh including three-phase power um so it's pr a pretty good setup well you have to bring machines down steps yes yep yeah and that's the one downside there's some narrow stairways okay uh, one of our patrons and guests, uh, the Grain Doctor, uh, you might want to look <laughs> him up. Um, he has a, uh, he's moved in and out of basements and has this whole rig that he's set up to move heavy machinery. And I, he's got old iron stuff, oh, you know, yeah. like these bands, you know, these old, old bands and, and yeah. stuff and huge, you know, 2000 pound joiners and stuff like that, that he's moved both, both from from his previous basement workshop to his new basement workshop all by himself oh well that that's helpful <laughs> i was just going to rely on my hulking strength and 129 pounds <laughs> he's he's only he's only nearly died a couple of times yes <laughs> crushing injuries you know but yeah he's he's yeah. pretty smart he's got it figured out yeah i will definitely look him up the grain doctor yeah yeah he is a uh, he is actual a doctor so um, okay yeah, like 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 our co-host Brian here is actually. Yeah, but I I, I know my limits. I'm not moving two thousand pound machine. Not not even on flat. You know, <laughs> I I know when to spend money, and that that would be the time to do it. <laughs> but I I remember a rigger telling me once when they uh they moved my table saw. There was when we brought it in the back door. We only had maybe three quarters of an inch on either side to bring it through, and uh you know these guys slid it through like there was nothing. And the, the guy said, if you are sweating you're doing it wrong mm -hmm. you know, there, there's some sort of mechanical advantage that you need to be employing and so those, those, those guys know what they're doing yep yep yeah uh so anyway but look him up and uh yeah check his instagram feed and you will see all kinds of um cranes and um 
joists and stuff like that that he's built to move machinery up and down as well as sleds to go up and down stairs and all kinds of stuff mm. yeah cool yeah yeah that sounds good yeah because you know you need to get some big old iron down there oh yeah yeah uh -huh. <laughs> need to especially if you got three phase three phase yeah. uh, electricity down there yeah how, how tall is the ceiling it's not too tall actually there's a piece that someone wanted me to make but it's a uh, uh, called an iconostasis um, uh, for an Orthodox church, uh, kind of a big old sanctuary, almost like barrier. But oh the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the um, yeah, my wife's ceiling, Eastern Orthodox, so yeah, I'm familiar with. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you know, it's got the pillars and then right. the the arches going mm -hmm. between the pillars. Uh, it's not even tall enough for the pillars to stand up uh, from floor to ceiling. So <laughs> I think it when I measured it might be. 11 inches or um something around that 11 12 inches or feet, oh, feet, Not feet. Inches, yeah, sorry, yeah feet, feet. feet. <laughs> well that's pretty good that's that's more than way more than i have so yeah. you, you could you could fit one of those gigantic band saws in there like those old you know humongous uh banosaurus type yeah yeah there is a pretty old one down here right now that is right about at the ceiling is it a fay wow. and egan uh a rockwell I think Rockwell. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Faye, Faye and Egan Rockwell. was made in Cincinnati. So I have a, I have one of their old, old jointers. Oh, okay. That, uh, so I wouldn't have been surprised if it was a Faye and Egan. That could have been mm. what the bandsaw, the large bandsaw we had at the school was, but uh, I know it was made in Cincinnati. I saw a little metal tag for that. Could have been. Probably mm. was. Yeah. Could have been. Well, fantastic. Well, is there anything else that we hadn't touched on that you'd like to share with us? Um, not so much. Not that I can think of. I just okay. encourage anyone that, you know, uh, has been thinking about going to that North Bennett Street school and uh, has the time to definitely do that. Oh, good advice. yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Good advice. It would definitely be on my bucket list to, to uh, at least go there for a few classes. I, I went there and visited one time uh, back in the old school that they used to have, and uh, it was quite fun. Um, I got a T-shirt out of it, and... I didn't know they taught uh, jewelry making there. My wife got a nice uh, silver bracelet that uh, I would plan on spending that kind of money visiting the place. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> hey, you got a T-shirt. <laughs> I got a T-shirt. You got like a, uh, I don't know, $400 bracelet, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> is that where they also teach like book binding? Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, they do. Okay. They do book bind. Well, when, when I visited, they had book binding. They had... Uh, piano building, piano tuning, then their cabinet maker stuff, and I think I'm forgetting a couple of others that they had there. Yeah, they like at least now. I'm not sure about whenever you visit, but they have carpentry, preservation carpentry. Oh yeah, they had that. Yeah, um, that's what I'm forgetting. Yeah, yeah, that is that is fantastic too. So outstanding. Well, let's uh, move on to our fortnightly beer choices. So I am drinking. Um, well. For our guest, I'm drinking St. Arnold's, which is a local brewery here. Uh, their Banger IPA, which is a Imperial Hazy IPA, and it's uh, and uh, I'm drinking the Hazy IPA, and you know, for Mark and St. Arnold's <laughs> for John. So anyway, but uh, St. Arnold's is a big uh, independent brewery here in the uh, Houston. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So Mark, where are you drinking? Well, it sounds like I'm the only one who's not drinking an IPA today. I've, I've got, what? Uh, I've got what? A, a Boulevard Brewing Tank 7. It's an American Saison, okay. which I don't okay. know what makes a beer a Saison other than like it seems to have a lot of alcohol in it. But um, 
It's the only Saison I've tried, and I really enjoy it. So I'll you know, always keep an eye out for them when I can find them. Mm, nice. It's made in Kansas City. How about you, Brian? So I am drinking. Um, it's a new one for me. I haven't had this before, but it's called Floor Punch. It's a hazy IPA, just like Kyle's. Um, this is from uh, two, the number two SP Brewing out of Ashton, PA, which is down near the uh, right over the border from Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, six and a quarter percent IPA. It's actually quite good. I'm, I would buy this again, uh, but it's uh, solid. And uh, I had a quick look up Cezanne. It's um, a traditional pastoral ale that originated in the farmhouses of Wallonia, the French-speaking region of Belgium. That's what makes it a Cezanne. So it's a, a farmhouse ale. Yeah. I guess, that that fits. Yep. It's very close to a hazy, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has a it has a lot more like I want to say yeast, but I don't think that's it. But it's just you know it has has a lot of depth to it. It's a good beer. Or as my uh, my wife would call them the chunky beers because you can <laughs> you, you can't see through it. It's so dense. Yeah, but it's good. John, what are you having? Uh, I've got a, a local one for here. It's called Rheingeist from Rheingeist Brewery. Oh, Rheingeist. Um, oh yes. And uh, this one is called Cheetah. It's a lager. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I do normally go with one of their IPAs, but I figured tonight I'll try this Cheetah out. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I'm familiar with that brewery. We've I've been there a couple of times, a couple of times. Mm. Uh, back in the day, um, they used to have uh, woodworking in America there in the Cincinnati area. It's kind of woodworking conference and stuff like that. So we were all over the Covington, Cincinnati area, and we found ourselves at a bunch of the local oh, cool. uh, craft breweries. So, yeah, fantastic. Well, so, uh, John, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Uh, so on right now on Facebook and Instagram on at a uh, Friar Furniture and Crafts uh, and okay. underscore between each one of those words. Now I also noticed you were at Speed Skier Forty Four. So that's you... right. Yeah, that's my hey. personal one. You can follow me on there. I usually post all the furniture stuff on there too. Okay, fantastic. So were you a, a speed skier? I was. Yeah, I uh, or... taught for. Uh, Gosh, eight years, I think. And then I raced uh, from, I don't know, sixth grade through high school. Oh, cool. cool. Wow. That's fantastic. Where, where, where did you grow up? Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm just trying to think if there's a, a hill. Yeah, there, there's uh, hills. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but most of the times, you know, you heard those, those are Vermont people, Colorado people. Right. Yeah. You don't get that much here. Um, it, it, so there's a little hill in, uh, Southern Indiana, kind of right across the border from Cincinnati. So that's where called Perfect North Slopes. Okay, cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, I, I noticed you're also a Bengals fan. So, you know, that's hey, right. Yeah. Keep our fingers crossed for next year. You know, hey, <laughs> I, I was heartbroken. As I know. A, as a Steeler fan, I, 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 we can't have him back on. I just got to say <laughs> that. <laughs> so, Mark, where can folks find you? Well, the best place to find me is at jointeffort.net. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Mark Builds It or uh, Play 11 or Joint Effort on YouTube. And uh, if you're uh, if you're interested in a shave horse, I'm going to be starting a batch of shave horses in a few weeks. So send me an email. How about you, cool. Brian? Uh, Instagram is where I post all my shenanigans uh, at Obst Woodworks. And, and Obst is O-B-S-T. Kyle, how about you? You can always find me on Instagram at barton.kyle or BB Custom Tools, bbcustomtools.com, or on YouTube under BB Custom Tools or Kyle Barton. And that just about wraps it up for this show. 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.